Truly this man was the Son of God. From the Gospel according to St. Mark, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. On Palm Sunday, unlike every other Sunday of the Christian year, the Gospel is presented to us in the form of a play, or of a screenplay, with a cast of characters, everyone having a role. Many people have told me through the years that the simple direction that they are to shout, crucify, has left a lasting impression on them. Some people have said, I don't want to say it. And I say, yes, you do. <laughs> don't miss this. For me, Holy Week begins as soon as everyone in the church stands. And on this Sunday, it is made abundantly clear you had a role to play in these events. You had a role to play in the Lord's passion. Indeed, you still do. Many hundreds of years later, many thousands of miles away, here we are in this place still unable to, to detach ourselves from this particular event. At a critical point in your life, I might have asked you, would you like to go with Jesus to the cross? Would you will to be there with him? And you might have answered that it is too gruesome, that it is too fearful. You might have answered that you prefer the idea that all human beings search for God in their own way, and in their own time, that everyone starts from a level, level playing field in this search, that you do not need to participate in any kind of liturgy to be close to Jesus on his cross. And yet, here you were today, and here I was, all of us shouting, crucify. This speaks to something like what many have referred to as the scandal of particularity. That scandal is that, when, that what we Christians speak of when we speak of the gospel is of God acting in a particular time and place, in a particular people, to the apparent exclusion of others. The scandal is that of a selective God who sets out to rescue human beings from sin and death through a rather narrow process. C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Miracles, the process goes, grows narrower and narrower, sharpens at last into one small bright point like the head of a spear. It is a Jewish girl at her prayers. All humanity, so far as concerns its redemption, has narrowed to that. And today, in this reading of the Passion narrative, it narrows even further. It is a wonderful coincidence that this year, Palm Sunday falls on March 25th, the date on the church calendar for the Feast of the Annunciation, which will be moved to April to make way for Holy Week and the Octave of Easter. That coincidence shows us something, two particular events, the Incarnation and the Lord's Passion, scandalously particular. Why just one woman? Why not all women? 
Why just one people, the people gathered in Jerusalem on that day? Why just those priests calling for his neck? Why just one Simon of Cyrene? Why can't we all help carry his cross? Why those women? Why just one centurion? Why not all centurions? Why just one Jesus? Why just one Savior? Why just one cross? We find any participation at all in the events of the Passion both incredibly difficult and at the same time the most natural thing in all the world. We find it difficult because it so deeply offends our ideas about democracy, about secular humanism, about the material universe. We didn't choose this king. We didn't elect him. He was despised and rejected by men. He consented to the whole darn thing, giving his back to be beaten and his face to be spit upon. He chose it. I didn't. He is unesteemed. He is smitten. He is stricken. He is afflicted. He doesn't fit with the narrative that our society is constantly marching towards greater and greater progress. Indeed, he shows us just how barbarous we can be. He shows us how truly terrible our sinful condition is. He even makes a mockery of our Pollyanna questions like, why do good people suffer? I love what R.C. Sproul had to say about this. Well, there was only one good man who suffered and died, and he volunteered. And this cross, this death, this execution that we speak of today and will speak of for the rest of the week is not just that. It is a cosmic event. Darkness covers the land. The earth shakes. The dead are even released for a time. The bystanders believe that Jesus is calling upon Elijah to swoop down from heaven and rescue him. And on top of all that, the temple curtain, that guard between the cosmic and the earthly, is torn in two. This event, this cross, stands astride the apparent gulf between heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible, the seen and the unseen, between God and man. Indeed, it breaks down what Paul calls the dividing wall of hostility. And it is the particularity of this event that makes it so very, very powerful. It is the particularity that makes for one of the most scandalous Christian convictions of all that there can be no other way. Jesus is it. No other way to the Father. And not just Jesus in Galilee or teaching from the side of a hill, but Jesus Christ and him crucified on a particular cross, on a particular hill, in a particular place. At the end of the day, we all know that we are deeply bound to this particularity. If you look at your hands, you can see the wear and the creases that only your life could have given. As Jesus received nails in his wrists, there were creases in his hands too, from his particular life. 
You can see the scars on your body. You can remember things that only you remember and only from your perspective. We are all up to our necks in this scandal. It is the only world that exists. It is the only way that you and I can possibly be saved. Because here's what happens, and here's what we are about this week. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father, takes on frail flesh and dwells among us. Indeed, every human being shares in his human nature, and he in theirs. And you can't escape that no matter how hard you might try. Jesus shares a meal with his disciples, which we will remember on Monday Thursday, one which continues at this very altar, on this very day, in this particular place. Jesus washes their feet. They know his goodness and humility. And friends, I just have to say, can you not feel the goodness this morning? The goodness of Jesus who cares for his church in every particular place. I look upon this gift of this dwelling place for not only the Lord's church, but his continued presence, and I am so deeply humbled. So undeserved, so lavish a gift, and yet it is given because we are a particular people and we need a particular place. Jesus Christ, being born in the flesh, we also find is also liable to death. Paul writes, though he was in the form of God, he did not, account, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. This is the greatest gift of all, the gift of the Lord's fellowship with us in his death, by which he transforms death, by which he tramples it. And someday in a particular time and in a particular place, you will die, I will die. And the particular will redeem the whole. As Gregory of Nazianzus puts it, a few drops of blood renew the whole world. In a week, in this very place, we will celebrate a great victory and we will celebrate a great triumph. All so very particular, all so very precise. But in Holy Week, it comes into focus. Right here. Right in this church. Right in the liturgies. And we will all be up to our necks in it. Amen? Isn't that a joy? Indeed, that's my prayer for you this week. That you will be up to your neck in the particular things of redemption up to your neck in the presence and love of Jesus. To him be the glory for now and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.